Welcome to the Faith in Maine podcast. I'm Katie Clark, your host. We are sharing stories of life and faith and ministry across our 58 churches, 18 summer chapels, Camp Bishopswood, three Jubilee centers, and ministries that make up the Episcopal Diocese of Maine. In this episode of the Faith in Maine podcast, we focus on the fourth practice in the way of love, which is to worship, meaning gathering in community weekly to thank, praise, and dwell with God. In this time of global pandemic, the practice of worship has been upended and gathering weekly has taken on many different forms, including digitally. In this podcast, we talk with Bishop Brown about how the practice of worship has impacted his life, even from a young age, and what worship practices are especially meaningful to him. Thank you for walking the way of love with us here on the Faith in Maine podcast. We hope you enjoy this interview with Bishop Brown. Hello, and welcome back to the Faith in Maine podcast. Today, we are talking about the way of love, specifically about the practice of worship, which is gathering in community weekly to thank, praise, and dwell with God. So, Bishop, thank you for joining us again to talk about the way of love. And I'd love to hear from you when you think about worship. What is the most meaningful part of a worship service for you? Katie, I'm really glad to be back with you. Thank you for hosting this and uh, for this great chance to speak about what I think uh, we are made for. Uh, uh, This is not original to me, but um, the idea that human beings are made to worship whether we worship God or whether we worship something else, that it is something that we are made to do, to give adoration, to give praise and glory, to give thanks, to dwell. Um, The definition of Christian worship is what it is, as you just said, but there is in us, I think, in all humans, this call to give adoration and praise to something other than ourselves. I love uh, the part in our Sunday morning worship when I am not leading worship uh, and I'm sitting in a pew and it's time for the confession. I'm one of those persons who really loves to kneel to say the confession. And I think there's something about both the, the action itself, the sort of physical action of getting on my knees uh, and doing it together with everybody else. Anyway, it's not that I think I'm a miserable sinner all the time. I am, of course, uh, but it's more about the connection between this really beautiful prayer that's memorized for many people and the fact that we're doing it together. And for me, the fact that I get to kneel uh, and to be in the, in the pew is a really powerful thing. It's interesting that we're talking about worship when we are still in pandemic times and one of the things that has been so disruptive for all of us is the dramatic shift in how we worship during pandemic times. 
So one of the things I know that people have been missing so very much is music during worship. And I would love to ask you, because I know that you have an answer for this, what is your favorite hymn and why? Oh my gosh, that's a terrible question to ask me because I have like 15 favorite hymns and <laughs> next week there'll be 15 different favorite hymns. Um, gosh, favorite hymn. Well, because I can't just choose one, I'm going to say there are two right now that are really favorites. One is when I survey the wondrous cross and it is associated, I think for many of us is something we sing during Lent and uh, during certainly on Good Friday. But there's something about in the hymn, a line uh, about reckoning everything in one's life as lost, except for this amazing and wondrous thing that God has done in Jesus Christ dying and offering himself in that way. That crucified and risen Christ for me right now is a huge source of, it's a big anchor right now. And I sometimes think that in our postmodern inclusive nature, which I really value in our church, I sometimes wonder if we haven't lost an opportunity to hold on to the cross. When we were at Hollowell last Sunday night for the last worship service at Saints Matthew and Barnabas, I was aware that we sang abide with me. And there's a line in there that we sing that reads, hold thou before my eyes, the cross. Uh, so anyway, when I survey the wondrous cross, and then the second is my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness on Christ, the solid rock. I stand all other ground is sinking sand. We find that hymn in lift every voice and sing. It's not an Episcopal standard hymn. It's an evangelical chestnut from the late 1800s and made popular in the 1900s. Uh, but it does indeed for me proclaim that everything else is sinking sand. And I mean that obviously in a metaphoric way, which is that the more I focus um, myself and those of us who called to be this diocese, the more we can focus on the person, nature, and work of Jesus Christ, the more I think we are being faithful. But ask me next week what my favorite hymn is, and I'll probably have five other ones. There's a hymn that is, I come with joy to meet my Lord. And I'm going to read the second verse of that hymn. That second verse is, I come with Christians far and near to find as all are fed the new community of love in Christ's communion bread. So when you reflect on that verse of that hymn, what does a new community of love mean to you when it says the new community of love in Christ's communion bread? I think about the new community of love as something that is not only new, but also ancient. And I think about particularly how we understand ourselves as Anglicans and my own experience of being part of the Episcopal Church, that there is this combination of us being both new and ancient, informal and traditional, beautiful and quirky, that this sense of a new community of love, all of those words, they point me in the direction of having the capacity to change, uh, 
and having the capacity to understand that people are going to change us, that what what we did yesterday is going to be different today because someone else has joined the circle. So the capacity to stay open and the willingness and the desire to actually be changed. Some people come to worship only as adults and worship is is somewhat new to them. And for some worship started when they were young children. So Bishop, for you, when you were young, how did you encounter worship? And did you encounter worship as a church member? Were you an acolyte or a server at any time? Tell us about how you encountered worship when you were young. I grew up in a family that went to church and it was just part of what we did. So there was an expectation. Uh, There were never any arguments about going to church. Going to church was like going to school. There were many Sundays when I didn't really feel like going to church. Um, And that was true for my siblings too. But that was true about school too. There were many days I didn't want to go to school and there wasn't an option to stay stay home. So, So that's one thing I would say is that as a young kid, as a, from the youngest memory, the oldest memory that I have, there is this sense that on Sunday mornings, we simply went to church. And because it was a very small church, tiny actually, uh, there was a sense in which everybody had to sort of pitch in. And it was very lay-led. We had, we certainly had a pastor, but the pastor was coming from one church and headed on to another church um, because she or he served all four churches and did four services in one day. So there wasn't a sense of waiting for the preacher to get something done. So everybody had to roll up their sleeves. And I remember the first time that I was asked to acolyte, I was so scared. Um, My knees were knocking and I thought I was going to pass out. I was so nervous. And I had to use matches, which I didn't really know how to do. And it was really scary to use these matches and to carry the candle lighter and walk up in front of everybody. And this older gentleman who was not, um, I didn't know very well, could see that I was pretty scared and figured out that I didn't know anything about how to use matches. I was probably, I don't know, I was probably seven years old. He came over and used the matches and lit the candle lighter and then said, remember, you're doing this for God, not for us. And I have always remembered that, both the kindness of his gesture in helping me, but this notion that when we worship, we are doing this for God, not for ourselves. So thinking about the church year, and there are many different services and celebrations, this is a two-part question. So prior to becoming a priest, did you have a favorite worship service of the year? And has that changed once you became a priest and then a bishop? Yeah, clearly it has. I have always loved Easter. I love Easter for its religious truth, as well as for its um, secular uh, funness. Um, I like Easter 
baskets and I like everything about um, the things that we do commercially. Uh, so Easter's always been a favorite. And I would say that that's really been true since I was a kid. I grew up, many of you know, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And so it was always still winter then. Uh, but there was this sort of, okay, some at some point spring really is going to come. So it felt it felt especially hopeful. And that was really true for me. Probably Easter remained my the, the sort of favorite or the time when I felt most deeply rooted, certainly as an adult and as a young priest. I loved Holy Week and, and Easter, everything about it. Something shifted probably about 10 years ago, and I was out of town in New York City. I was, it was Ascension Day, and you know that Ascension is 40 days after Easter Day, and it always falls on a Thursday. And I was in Manhattan for a meeting, and it was Ascension Day, and there was a seven o'clock mass at a church in Manhattan, and several of us went to church. It's not common for small churches to keep these major feasts when they land in the middle of the week, but in a place like Manhattan, it's a little easier to do. And the priest preached about ascension and this notion that it is not about looking up into the sky, but about Jesus Christ filling the whole creation with the power of his love. And there was an incredible light bulb that went on for me. And I realized that the Feast of the Ascension is really what it's about, which is that everything about our faith is given to us, that we, the people of God, who follow and love Jesus Christ, we are given everything that we need to do the mission that God is giving us. So I would say that in the last 10 years, I keep the Feast of the Ascension in a really big way. And even during the pandemic, I was able to go online and find some places that kept it. In those last years of being a parish priest, I kept Ascension Day, uh, Thursday at seven o'clock. I made sure that there was some kind of worship service. And while it was never gangbusters with attendance, there were always people there and people who appreciated that. So I'd have to say Ascension Day. As we have talked through these different practices and the way of love, we started with turn and then moved to learn and then pray, and now we're on worship. The importance of worship in the Episcopalian life is, is very central. However, people, even pre-pandemic, sometimes didn't worship on a weekly or even a monthly basis, and they may have had things that prevented that. What can you think of that may have prevented folks from coming then, and now we're in this time of opening up again from the pandemic. And why, I guess, should folks come back and worship in community? Mm -hmm. I think the answer to that first question about why is it that folk didn't have regular weekly worship as part of their committed discipline? I think there are lots of potential answers for that. And I sort of am re reluctant to suggest that there's one. Certainly our culture has changed and 
we live now in a culture in which certainly in Maine, in which our neighbors and friends are more likely not to be connected to a faith community than, than they do. So I think, I think there's just a shift in the whole practice of being connected to a faith community. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm someone who does not complain about soccer being on Sunday. I think it's a silly thing to squawk about, but I do think it's, it's clearly a factor for families, especially with kids when there are other important things. And I think being an athlete uh, for many people is important. It's also important. I remember a family uh, who were parishioners of mine who took one Sunday a month to stay at home and make breakfast because both mom and dad traveled on airplanes most of the week. And they had help out uh, during the week for you know people who um, looked after their children. And Sundays were sometimes, was indeed sometimes the only day in which the family of five could actually be together and not have anything else going on. So I totally supported that. And I sort of hold that up as a kind of example that staying home and making pancakes may be as worshipful for some folk as actually going to church. So I think there's a lot of reasons. I think there's a little bit of a criticism here that I think we could level on ourselves, which is that in some of our places, our worship and preaching needs to be amped up and we need to be a little bit more with it. And we need to approach worship as if it is the most important thing that we're planning and doing. I'm not speaking uh, disparagingly about any particular clergy person or any particular church, uh, just to say that I know that as a parish priest, there were some Sundays in which I definitely dialed it in and I did not spend the time thinking and really responding to uh, making sure that the worship service was as inspiring and as well-planned and executed as possible. So those are some of the reasons that I think we have experienced some shifts in regular attendance. I think the other question about what it means uh, now for us to emerge from this pandemic, what's the sort of incentive to return? And I think that we have this great product and some people will sort of resist my using the word marketing, but I think the Episcopal Church product is a beautiful thing. And that if we were to tell our story a little bit more and do more about inviting people and really saying to our neighbors and friends, my life has been changed because of my relationship with Jesus Christ and I love my church, would you join me? I think that that has the potential to move mountains. The last question, Bishop, that I have for you today is to think about a story or a time where you really profoundly experienced God's presence in a worship service that you either attended or presided over. Hmm. I've been going to general convention, the every three-year legislative gathering of our church for over 25 years. And there is a caucus called Integrity, uh, which historically uh, was the group of leaders, uh, particularly at General Convention, 
who advocated for the inclusion of LGBTQ people. And you can imagine that in the 70s and 80s and 90s, this was a really big chore to be advocates in the face of a church that was not really as open as we are now. And every general convention, the group, the leaders of integrity would plan a worship service. And it was offsite. It was not at the convention center. It was usually in a local church. And they would get a big name preacher from our, from our own family. Sometimes it was a bishop. Sometimes it was someone else. The music was electrifying and often included lots of different styles of music. The place was packed. I mean, people would come and fill this church where, wherever it was and sing their hearts out. And I remember being in Columbus, Ohio. I think it was in 2006 and sitting in the pew and realizing that every single person I knew in the Episcopal church, straight allies, most of them were sitting there worshiping with me. And I just wept. I wept for a sense of accomplishment. I wept for a sense of those who had died, who didn't get to experience what it was that I was experiencing. And I wept for a sense of the future. That was a long time ago already. And I imagine the places we have come since then. So that's a worship service that stands out for me as a sign that Jesus Christ is um, doing a new thing. <laughs> And I will always hold that memory of looking around and seeing all of these allies and knowing that our church was moving in a beautiful direction. Bishop, thank you so much for taking thank time you. to speak I with love, us. I love being with you and I hope that you enjoy the rest of this beautiful season. Thank you. And next time we're going to take what you just were talking about in terms of sharing your faith. Our next stop on the way of love will be talking about sharing our faith. So we'll talk about that next time. Thank you for listening to the Faith in Maine podcast brought to you by the Episcopal Diocese of Maine. If you like this podcast, please leave a review and rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That helps us spread God's word even further. Thank you.